The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball. Hello again, everyone. Welcome on this beautiful Wednesday morning. I hope you didn't miss me too much. I'm your host, Daniel Port. A lot of baseball that happened yesterday. So much offense that we need to, that we're going to just jump straight into it as usual, starting with the Major League Injury News and Notes. So for Baltimore, Jordan Lyles has been out. He's been day-to-day with an illness and is beginning to feel better, though currently there's no plan in place for when he will return. For the Boston Red Sox, J.D. Martinez is listed as day-to-day. According to manager Alex Cora, he said that he's expected to be back in the lineup for today's series finale in Tampa Bay as he's dealing with a back injury. Xander Bogart is also listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury, and Frenchy Cordero was placed on the 10-day injured list yesterday with sprains on both sides of his right ankle as expected to miss the rest of the 2022 season. And Tanner Houck underwent successful lumbar disectomy yesterday and is expected to be ready for the start of 2023 spring training. For the Chicago Cubs, Wilson Contreras was placed on the 10-day injured list retroactive to September 3rd with an ankle injury, and Justin Steele was placed on the 15-day injured with a back injury. For the Chicago White Sox, Luis Robert is listed as dated. Robert had x-rays come back negative on a bruised hand injury after he left yesterday's game, so he seems to have escaped further damage. Michael Kopech is expected to be reinstated from the 15-day injury list to start today's game against the Mariners as he has come back from a knee injury. For the Colorado Rockies, Jose Iglesias was placed on the 10-day injury list yesterday retroactive to September 5th with a right hand contusion. For the Detroit Tigers, Jonathan Scope transferred his rehab assignment to AAA Toledo starting yesterday. And for the Houston Astros, according to manager Dusty Baker, Ryan Presley still doesn't feel right as he's trying to come back from a neck injury. They haven't shut him down, but he still uh, does not feel right. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, manager Dave Roberts said Tony Gonsolin is not progressing as quickly as the Dodgers had hoped from his forearm injury, and Crusader Gratterall is expected to begin thrown from a mound soon as he is attempting to come back from an elbow injury. For the Miami Marlins, Jorge Soler has been cleared for full baseball activities, and Braxton Garrett will be given a rehab assignment Wednesday with AAA Jacksonville as he attempts to come back from an oblique injury. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Colt Wong is listed as day-to-day. He was removed from Tuesday's game in Colorado with left knee discomfort. For the Minnesota Twins, Bailey Ober was scheduled to make his second rehab start yesterday with single A Fort Myers. We'll have to take a look today to see how that went. For the New York Mets, Taewon Walker is listed as day-to-day with a blister on his right index finger. And Starling Marte is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. And finally, Max Scherzer is also listed as day-to-day. The Mets will decide today whether or not Max Scherzer will make his next scheduled start as he is dealing with a side injury. 
For the New York Yankees, Zach Britton struck out two batters in a scoreless inning for single A Tampa on Saturday. And Anthony Rizzo was placed on the 10-day injured list as he's dealing with headaches that will require additional testing. The Philadelphia Phillies announced that Zach Wheeler played catch for a short bit on Tuesday as he's attempting to come back from a forearm injury. For the San Diego Padres, Drew Pomeranz received positive news on his left elbow, but still uncertain if he'll be able to return before the end of the season. For the Seattle Mariners, Dylan Moore was expected to do some rotational exercises in a pool on Monday as part of his rehab process, coming back from an oblique injury. For the St. Louis Cardinals, Stephen Matz will start Tuesday for AA Springfield as he is currently on the 15-day injury list with a knee injury. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, Shane McClanahan felt good after throwing 15 to 20 pitches off a mound on Tuesday as he is currently on the injury list with a shoulder injury. Wander Franco got treatment on his wrist and took 40 to 50 swings during Tuesday's off day at Triple A Durham. Is expected to play in Wednesday's game there at Triple A, I believe. Drew Rasmussen was officially placed on the paternity list for Tampa. Congratulations, Drew. I hope everything goes well. And for the Texas Rangers, Joe Barlow will throw off a mound on Wednesday as he is trying to come back from a blister injury. John Gray will throw live batting practice today, and it's possible he won't need a rehab assignment before rejoining the big league rotation. Brad Miller is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. Spencer Howard is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment with AAA Round Rock uh, this Sunday. And Eli White will begin a rehab assignment in AAA Round Rock today for... The Washington Nationals, finally. Mackenzie Gore threw 37 pitches over two simulated innings Tuesday and was pleased with how he felt physically. Now, moving into the hitters, there was a ton of offensive action going on throughout the league yesterday, and I want to try and cover as much as I can for going through the available players out there in leagues that caught my eye. Starting with Brandon Nimmo of the Mets, he went one for four with two RBIs and a home run. That's his 13th home run on the season. Over his last seven games, he's been hitting real well. He's hitting 310 with a 552 slugging percentage, a home run, nine hits over those seven games with four runs and four RBIs. Over his last 15, games he has three home runs with eight runs scored hitting 263 the 509 slugging percentage and you know he's got 11 hits over his last 10 games he's gonna score a bunch of runs because he is the leadoff hitter for the Mets that's a really great lineup it might be more steady production instead of sort of sexy production but with all that being said I think Nemo's a great addition for your team if you need runs uh, or if you're in an OBP or points league for the Pirates, Rudolfo Castro went one for five with his sixth home run on the season and two RBIs. Castro has really found his power since coming up into the league this year. Over 108 at-bats, he has six home runs. That's, if you were to extrapolate that over a full season, that's a, a roughly 30 to 35 home run full season pace. He hasn't quite found the average yet. He's hitting 242 in the season, 259 over his last 15 games, but he has a 500 slugging percentage over those same games. And actually has a 500 slugging percentage over his last 30 games. He has an 810 OPS over that time period. And... What's really interesting, Castro is a hitter who, if you were to look at his barrel percentage on the on the surface, you wouldn't think at 7.5%, that really supports that sort of 30 to 35 home run pace that I was just talking about. But he's a player that when he does barrel the ball, he gets all of it. And he really makes uh, things happen with those barreled balls. Of his eight barrels so far on the season, four of them have been home runs. All of those home runs have been 400 feet or more. And one of those was also a 359-foot triple to the warning track. When he barrels the ball, he is hitting it hard and far and doing a ton with it. He pulls the ball 47.7% of the time. And he hits the ball in the air 35.2% of the time with a 16.2% home run per fly ball rate. Those are all going to lead to some good home run power numbers, even if it doesn't necessarily bode well for, say, hitting for average. And looking at the scouting report on him, Fangraphs have listed his weakness coming into the season as having too much swing and miss in the zone and an inability to recognize breaking pitches. This year, he's got an 80% Z contact percentage and a 77.5% meatball swing percentage, according to StatCast. That shows he's making progress on that first weakness, that he is at least cutting down on that swing and miss in the zone. When you combine that with how hard he, how well he's hitting the ball, that I'm not too worried about that one. 
But it is worth noting that he does have a 195 average against breaking pitches this year, which does suggest that that analysis on his weakness is probably true. One thing to note, though, is he's a 241 average with three home runs against fastballs and a 321 average with a home run against off-speed pitches. So while there's obviously room for improvement against breaking balls, that already right there is a step up in his pitch recognition as he's not just hitting only fastballs. He's now added uh, off-speed pitches to that to his pitch recognition repertoire. That's a huge step up because he hit 0-43 against off-speed pitches the year before. There's a lot of potential here, especially from a power standpoint. I think Rudolfo Castro could be a really uh, good investment and if nothing else is a useful name to keep an eye on for next season. For the Boston Red Sox, Tristan Casas hit his first Major League home run. He went one for four with two RBIs. He's only got 12 at-bats at the Major League level, so it's impossible to know anything about anything really. But if you look at his scouting report as he was ranked by Fangraphs as the number one prospect in the Red Sox organization and the number 14th prospect overall, you obviously know the talent is there. Uh, we just need to get a bigger sample. They gave him a 60 grade on his raw power and a 50 grade out of 60 on his game power. So you know he can hit. He even has a 50 out of 55 uh, hit tool grade. Very much so already a pretty advanced hitter. They describe him as having great plate discipline, a breaking ball recognition. He can hit all fields. And coming into the majors, he had 317 plate appearances, 11 home runs. So he was hitting for some power already down there. He had 20 doubles. So you have to imagine at some point as he matures that you will start to see some of those 20 doubles move over into home runs. I definitely think Acasas could be a good power hitter, perhaps down the line for the season, but really he's more of a name to keep an eye on for next year. Either way, congratulations on your first home run. For the Tampa Bay Rays, Harold Ramirez went one for three with two RBIs. Uh, Big Harold's been absolutely crushing the ball for a while now. He's hitting 333 over his last 30 games with a 425 slugging percentage and a home run. You're not going to get any power out of him. That is not his game at all, but he has been absolutely hitting all season long. He's hitting 327 on the season. He's the cleanup hitter for the Rays right now, and and really the key part, because at first I just to try and look at what may have changed. And actually, most of his stack his numbers are down, his exit velocity is down, his barrel rate is down, his hard hit percentage. But what he has done is, if you look at his past performance years, he's moved to a much more pull-heavy approach where his 43.5% pull percentage on the season is his career high by about 7%. So he's absolutely moving more towards a pull-heavy and moving more towards the center of the field approach, which could explain why he is hitting over 300 for the first time in his career and performing so well for the Rays. For the Cubs, Seiya Suzuki went one for three with his 11th home run, three RBIs and two walks. Over his last seven games, Suzuki's really turned it on, hitting 357 with a 500 slugging percentage in that home run. And actually, he's been hitting pretty well overall. Over his last 15 games, hitting 327. He's hitting 273 over his last 30 games with a 409 slugging percentage over those 30 games. And the big thing for Suzuki over the this recent stretch of success that we've seen happen is he's making a lot more contact, especially in the zone. He's got his contact percentage up to 83.5% over those last seven games and has a Z contact rate of 92.3%. He's seeing pitches in the zone and hitting them and making a ton of contact with his speed and his contact ability. That is key for him to find success. Overall, he's available in a lot of leagues and I could see picking him up as he's going to be a nice overall contributor even if he won't necessarily excel for you in any one spot he will be helpful in average and runs and give you the occasional home run and the occasional stolen base so uh, if you need a little all-around production i think say suzuki could be a, a good asset for your team for the nationals joey um, menses went two for four with two doubles and I've talked a lot about Joey Mensis yesterday, so check out that episode. I really dive deep into what he's doing right now and why I think it's at least somewhat sustainable. For the record, though, I did want to mention that his first double was a picture-perfect opposite field double down the line where he just went with what the pitcher gave him, and that's a, a really nice sign of a, an advanced approach at the plate and, and a good eye to not try to just pull everything or do one thing with it. He, he seems to have multiple tools in that toolkit. 
The second double went 375 feet with a 96 mile per hour exit velocity and 29 degree launch angle. So none of these were gimmies and a lot of parks that even have probably gotten out. So it's just worth noting that he, he even though they were just two doubles, they were really encouraging. He's still hitting 344 on the season with a 582 slugging percentage. Uh, if he is out there in your league still, and he's out there in a lot of leagues, go pick him up. He's been crushing it and I think could continue that for the rest of the season. For the Cardinals, Brandon Donovan won for three with a home run. That's his third home run on the season. And Donovan, even though he slumped a little bit, he's only hit 160 over his last seven games. He's hit 291 over his last 15 games. He's hitting 287 on the season. He's hit 302 over his last 30 games. Donovan's been a solid, if unspectacular, contact hitter throughout uh, this breakout season for him. And that's pretty much par for the course for him. Fangraphs had him listed as having a 60-grade hit tool with, at best, doubles power and an all-fields approach. And that is exactly who he's been. He's got 17 doubles on the season. If you look at his, his batted ball splits, it's literally 35% pull percentage. 34.3% to center and 30.7% to the opposite field. So you're talking about a, a good contact hitter who's got a ton of great plate discipline. He's got a 24.6% O swing percentage. Does not swing and miss a lot uh, with just a meager 5.4% swing strike rate. Doesn't strike out a lot. Puts the ball in play a lot uh, with an 86% contact rate and 93.7% Z contact. This feels a little bit like if you think of like, let's say a Michael Brantley type with less power. That kind of is where I feel Brendan Donovan is. So if you need help in average or runs scored, he's batting second for the Cardinals lineup. That is third in runs scored on the season. He's got Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnold auto hitting right behind him. He can be a great option if you need help in those areas. Also for the Cardinals, Corey Dickerson went two for three with a double and a run scored. He is still crushing the ball over his last seven games. He's in 409 with a 636 slugging percentage and a home run. And actually, if you look over his last 30 games, he's still even hitting 389 with a 567 slugging percentage and two home runs. He hits righties. That is what he does. Uh, and that was what he was put on this earth to do. And he does it really well. If you look at since August 1st, he's been a 202 WRC plus hitter against right-handed pitching. And he has a 1.063 OPS over that time period when facing right-handed pitching. So if he's facing a righty, he right now is one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Even if it's not for a ton of power, there's still some pop in that bat. And if you look, actually, they have two more games against the Nationals in this series. But after that, they get three games against the Pirates, two against the Brewers, and five against the Reds. All of those teams have pretty right-handed heavy rotations, so you should expect to see Dickerson getting a lot of at-bats coming up. He is hitting fifth in that lineup when he plays, so then he's got Brandon Donovan, Goldie, and Nolan Arnold hitting right in front of him. It's just a really nice setup for him, so if you're in a daily league especially or an Otten league, Corey Dickerson's a great pickup there. For the Astros, Jeremy Pena went two for four with two stolen bases, and... What I wanted to look at was, so over his last seven games, Pena's hit 355, but it, with very little pop. It's only 387 slugging percentage. And Pena is in that same mold as Rudolfo Castro, where he needs, when he gets barrels, to do a lot with them. And if you look at 12 of his 16 home runs in the season have come uh, from barrels, and six of his doubles have as well. Four of those doubles cleared 380 feet. So he went early on in the season, especially when he barreled the ball up, he did good things with it. And unfortunately, as the season has worn on, that has gone away. His barrel percentage has dropped over his last seven games all the way down to 4.3%. And since August 1st, it's down to 6.5%. So obviously way down. And even when he does barrel the ball right now, it doesn't seem like he's getting as much out of it. He's had just six barrels since August 1st. Only two of them went for hits. And some of that is obviously bad luck as two of those outs cleared 370 feet. But as we're noting, he's just not getting the same out of his barrels as he was on early on in the season. What we want to do is watch and see if Pena gets his barrel rate back up and see if he starts to get more success with those barrels. And if he does, then go grab him. For the Colorado Rockies, Randall Grichuk went two for five with two home runs and four RBIs and two runs scored on the day. He's been struggling a little bit over his last seven games with just a 182 average, but he's still been hitting for power with a 455 slugging percentage over that time period. But if you take a step back to those last 15 games, he's hitting 321 with a 528 slugging percentage and three home runs. And if you go even further out to his last 30 games, he's hitting 330 with a 500 slugging percentage and five home runs. And if you want to take a look at what has spurred on that success, 
Since August 1st, he has a 90.3 mile per hour exit velocity with a 9.1% barrel rate, a 40.9% hard hit rate. And unfortunately, his launch angle is still a little low at 6.3 degrees, but all the other numbers are pretty darn good. He's pulling the ball a lot more at 45.5% of the time and is actually even elevating a little more than he was earlier in the season with 33% fly ball rate and a 20.7 home run per fly ball rate. So uh, all things we'd like to see here in terms of getting some more power from Randall Grichuk, it's worth noting as well that he's a 122 WRC plus hitter at home this season in Coors and 11 of his next 16 games are in Coors Field. But it's not my favorite addition. If I needed him, it could be really useful for your team, especially so many games in Coors, and in seeing him start to discover some of his power stroke there. El Jerus Montero went two for three with a double and a home run for the Rockies as well, with RBI and two runs scored. He's actually, from a power standpoint, hitting the ball really well over his last 30 games, hitting 262 with a 505 slugging percentage and five home runs. When he is hitting the ball, he's hitting for a ton of power. He's got five home runs in 37 games, a pretty darn good rate. Stack S numbers are really promising. He's got a 91.3 mile per hour exit velocity with an 11.3% barrel rate, 45% hard hit rate, 14.5 degree launch angle. He's pulling the ball 46.3% of the time. He is hitting fly balls 43.8% of the time. These are all really encouraging numbers for what you want to see there. And he has some strikeout to his game, which can always be a little concerning. He struck out 34.1% of the time here so far and has a 16.2% swing strike rate. That is obviously concerning, but I do think that it's encouraging at least though that he still makes pretty good contact. He's got an 86% uh, Z contact rate and that at the very least is encouraging. The only real downfall to Montero is, and something we want to keep an eye on, is the Rockies kind of been playing a lot of playing time games with him. Keep an eye on if he starts playing every day, the power is very real. And if you need power down the stretch, he could be a great pickup, but keep an eye on his playing time. For the Diamondbacks, uh, Jake McCarthy went one for four with a run scored and his 15th stolen base. I talked about him extensively yesterday, so you may want to go back and listen to that podcast to hear my take on McCarthy and why I'm really excited about him. But I did want to note this is his third stolen base in the last two games. He has been stealing bases at a very prolific rate since coming up. If you need stolen bases, he's a must-add. For the Seattle Mariners, Cal Raleigh went one for three with his 23rd home run and two RBIs. Raleigh's been fantastic. I don't know how I missed this, honestly. Over his last seven games, he's in 318 with a 1.045 slug with five home runs in his last seven games and 11 RBIs, eight runs scored. It's just been absolutely on fire. But if you go back over his last 30 games, he still has a 546 slugging percentage, even though the average isn't there at 206. And he's got nine home runs in his last 30 games. He's been hitting for a lot of power uh, for a while now. And if you actually go and look across the board, starting in August, if you want to take a look, he has a 90.6 mile per hour exit velocity with a 22.5 degree launch angle, 17.1% barrel rate, and a 40% hard hit rate. Uh, that is power galore in those numbers. He's got a 51.4% pull rate over that time period, 58.6% fly ball rate, with a 22% home run per fly ball rate. That's just power on power since August 1st. If you look, he had 11 barrels over that time period. Seven of them were home runs. One of them was a double as well. So just three of them fell for outs. If you look at a guy who has a 15% barrel rate on the year like Raleigh does, this is what you want to see. He is both barreling all the time and making the most of it. And that is just very exciting. If you need power or if you need help at catcher, Cal Raleigh should be rostered everywhere. Uh, for the Giants, Lewis Brinson went one for four with his third home run. It's obviously still way too small sample to draw any conclusions from this. Uh, I'm not sure. It's really hard to, to figure out if there's a reasoning behind this power since coming up with the Giants. One thing I did notice looking at video is that it does appear like Brinson is holding his bat a little differently pre-swing before he held it a little more upright, but now he's got uh, it bending, uh, like basically dropping over his shoulder and pointing downward a lot more. This pulls his elbow up more and he's got almost, that looks like a slightly bigger leg kick. So maybe he's made some mechanical adjustments to his swing and that could be making a difference. But again, it's 
barely a sample size. So we're going to need to see a lot more before we draw any conclusions. So those are the hitters that caught my eye here today. Like I said, there wasn't exactly a ton of great pitching on the day, but I'll cover some that caught my eye here. Starting with Johnny Cueto for the White Sox, went six innings pitched, giving up one earned run, three strikeouts, three walks, and five hits. This is the second great start in a row for Johnny Cueto after having a disaster outing in Arizona, waking up seven runs on August 26th. And really, honestly, he's got 287 ERA on the year. He's been fantastic all season long. There's no reason to doubt Johnny Cueto. And so I'm not entirely sure his roster percentage isn't higher. But if he's available, go get him. He gets Oakland next, which is a fantastic opportunity. That's a must start. For the Athletics, Cole Irving went 4.2 innings pitch. Gave up nine earned runs with four walks, four strikeouts, and a home run given up. This was so bad, his season-long ERA jumped 43 points after this one. Up until recently, it's been a bit of a Cinderella season for Cole Irving. But I think it's run its course. If you look, he's given up five runs or more in four of his last five starts. The wheels are clearly coming off of this. Cut bait while you're still playing with house money, especially since he gets the White Sox next. For the Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly went seven innings pitched with four earned runs and five strikeouts. He gave up three home runs in this game. In fact, the only three hits he gave up were those three home runs. And this is what did in Kelly were the home runs. And if you look over his career, the long ball has been his Achilles heel, but he's been fantastic suppressing home runs this year as he's given up just 0.63 home runs per nine. So I'm not really too worried about this. He'd only given up three home runs total in his last eight starts before this. He does have a rough start next against the Dodgers, so I understand if you're going to sit him in that game, but I'm not cutting him or anything. He's just been too good. For the Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez went seven innings pitched with giving up three earned runs, striking out four, and giving up three home runs. He got the quality start. I get that. That's good. And he avoided getting absolutely mangled by the Angels too badly, but he barely got any whiffs. He got three home runs in this game, so it feels like he kind of got away with pitching badly here, and the Angels just really didn't make him pay for it. I'm not on board at all. It sounds like his velocity is way down. Uh, I'm avoiding him most of the rest of the season, and especially in his next start as he gets Houston. For the Royals, Chris Bubich went 6.1 innings pitched, giving him three earned runs, four strikeouts, and no home runs and a walk. While this is his second quality start in a row, I wouldn't be fooled by it at all. Uh, if you go to the three starts before those two quality starts, you get 14 total earned runs in those three starts. So, I do not trust this at all. I'm not in on, on Bubich at all. Uh, pass. No thank you. For the Cardinals, Jose Quintana went five innings pitched with uh, giving up just one earned run and five strikeouts. This is one I don't understand why Quintana isn't rostered anymore. He hasn't given up more than two earned runs in a start since July. He's just been fantastic with St. Louis's stellar defense behind him. I think he should continue to perform from here on out. He gets the Pirates next. That is a gift. Pick him up. Start him. Don't think twice. For the Cubs, Wade Miley went four innings pitched in his first start off of the injured list. Two earned runs with two walks and six strikeouts. That's solid if unspectacular for Miley. Uh, six strikeouts are nice. He had 14 whiffs on the day, and he actually uses his changeup as his primary pitch in this game. Traditionally, that's been his best pitch, so it's nice to see that. It'll be interesting to see if he continues to throw up more than his cutter, which usually has been his main pitch, and so uh, that'll be a trend to keep an eye on. He gets San Francisco next, and uh, I think that's a low ceiling start if you do start him, but I would keep expectations pretty low. On the other hand, Hayden Wesneski came in after Miley uh, left the game and pitched the final five innings and was fantastic. You have just two hits, one walk, struck out eight, looked fantastic. And Wisniewski came over to the Cubs from the Yankees in the Scott Efros trade. But Fangraphs kind of talked about him coming into the season. Listed him as more like a kitchen sink pitcher. Had, had a nice collaborative of good, if not great pitches. But actually he has, a, according to them, did have a 60 grade slider and a 50 grade cutter that they talk about how those two pitches blended together nicely to keep hitters off their toes. What's fascinating about that though is if you come into this game and look at the, the baseball breakdown and we'll admit Savant sometimes has trouble classifying pitches, but he actually threw his, uh, a curveball 
the most and a sinker the second most so he clearly either is throwing something a little differently that's confusing Snackcast, or he added a curveball and a sinker since that analysis at Fangraphs, and they had a lot of success the curve especially was getting a 35% CSW looked really nice and so this is definitely a uh, sort of young pitcher to keep an eye on the Cubs technically have him in the bullpen for right now but I think what might be worth is keeping an eye on him at some point to see if Chicago decides to give him a shot in the rotation see what they might have in him for next season if they want to try and put him in the rotation there for the Orioles Kyle Bradish went just three innings pitch gave up three earned runs walking two and striking out three uh, he really struggled in this game which is a shame. I know I recommend it as a streamer. It was really the only good option I thought I saw yesterday. The good news is the slider was still dope. It was really good. It got seven whiffs on just 28 pitches. Uh, that's great when you consider he only threw 66 pitches overall in the game before departing. I'm still keeping in mind for streaming purposes. He gets the Nationals in his next start. I'm definitely starting him there. That should go really well. For the Marlins, Jesus, uh, Jesus Lazardo went seven pitch with two earned runs and nine strikeouts. I am all in here. Lizardo has launched himself into the territory where I think of starters where I start him no matter who he's facing. That's how good he is. He had 19 whiffs on the day, looked nasty all day while facing a real Philadelphia lineup. This is what we've been waiting for from him. And while he gets Atlanta next, I'm definitely starting him in that game. And he's available in a lot of leagues still. So if he's out there, snag him up and ride him through the rest of the season into the playoffs. For the Pirates, went six innings pitched, giving up no earned runs, which is two strikeouts and two walks. He gave a ton of contact against a very good offense here in this game, facing the Mets, and got away with it. And sometimes you're just going to get away with it, but that's not something we can really depend on. Uh, as he only got seven whiffs in this game and only had two strikeouts. I can't imagine he continues to get away with it more often. I am still passing on Mitch Keller as well. So those are the pitchers that caught my eye in yesterday's action. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll hop into everything I'm looking forward to today. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Fantastic. Welcome back. Let's also check in real quick with our good buddy, Mark Paquette, with the weather. Luckily, after a uh, unexpected postponement in New York yesterday, which they could have played through, we have a day today with no expected postponements or delays. A weak cold front will continue to sag through the mid-Atlantic in the southeast, but really shouldn't be a major issue so i think we're going to be good to go play away everyone in your seasonal playoffs and for dfs yeah you're gonna be good to go to it as well thank you very much and i'll talk to you tomorrow okay awesome thank you so much mark so let's talk real quick about what i'm looking forward to in today's games 
So all the AL Central teams are playing today, and that race is still neck and neck between the Guardians, the Twins, and the White Sox. So uh, definitely keep an eye on how their games go, as every single game matters now for those teams. Same thing for the Orioles and the Blue Jays right now, in that the Orioles, after their loss yesterday, are, have a lot of ground they need to make up to try and take that last wild card spot from the Blue Jays. And so this game is very important for them for the rest of their season. Uh, we've got two different doubleheaders going on today. The Yankees will face the Twins twice, and the Mets will face the Pirates twice. So lots of baseball going on today, which is very exciting. Uh, you just wake up, turn on the TV, and we've just got baseball all day. And then we've also got a couple interesting young guns pitching today. We've got Waldachuk pitching today for the A's. We've got Joe Ryan pitching for the Twins. And we've got Cody Morris pitching for the Guardians. And that's a guy I definitely would love to keep an eye on as he's got electric stuff. And we just need to see if he can start putting it together a little bit. In terms of some pitchers that I'm looking to stream, I like Javier Assad for the Cubs against the Reds. He's been pitching really well so far through his first couple starts. Has looked really good. And I would expect that to continue against the not very good Reds offense. I also like Cody Morris for the Guardians pitching against the Royals. I just mentioned Cody Morris. He's got electric stuff. The Royals aren't exactly a light the world on fire offense. And so I think he could could do really well in this start if you need another a streaming start there as well. In terms of hitters I'm looking to stream, I like any Cubs hitters against Mike Miner. So if Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, if you can get Framo Reyes against Mike Miner, who's had a terrible season so far. Any Phillies hitters I can get against Trevor Rogers. If you're looking at Bryson Stott or Gene Segura, Trevor Rogers has struggled all season long. And then also looking at any Guardians against Zach Greinke. Uh, Greinke doesn't strike a lot of hitters out and tries to pitch the contact. And that's exactly what the Guardians want. So uh, I think that could end up going really well for them. They've roughed him up every time they've met against him in this season so far as well. So I should expect that to go pretty well for them. So anyone like Oscar Gonzalez, Josh Naylor, maybe even Tyler Freeman if he plays. And then lastly, any Brewers you can get against the Rockies' Kyle Freeland, who's been uh, really struggling this season. Looking at Andrew McCutcheon, Garrett Mitchell, Colton Wong, anyone like that. Those are some pretty good hitters to stream. And that's our podcast. That's all the action from yesterday. Everything we're looking forward to today. Just a ton of really great baseball on the slate. Good luck in all of your matchups. Uh, Enjoy hump day. And we will talk again soon. Thank you so much. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.